making the choice to obey God, next on Abounding Grace. You change your mind, and God will change your heart. It's not the other way around. You know, I'll just, uh, as soon as I feel like it, as soon as I feel better, as soon as I, yeah, you're going to be waiting a long time. I don't know how long you'll wait, but it'll make you a faltering, wavering person. But if you choose in your mind to obey, no matter how you feel, and you take that step, God will begin to work on your heart right away. And before you know it, you're walking in freedom and you're walking in obedience and the Lord is showing himself strong on your behalf. And then you look back, you go, man, I really do feel different now. I really don't feel that bad anymore. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for. From Calvary Aurora, this is Abounding Grace with our teacher, Pastor Ed Taylor. Don't you love it when God shows up in a huge way in your life? It's a real boost to our faith and such an encouragement. We're about to see that in 1 Kings 18. The scene is Mount Carmel. 450 prophets of Baal have gathered along with Elijah for a showdown. Who is the real God? Well, the Lord left no doubt in anyone's mind that day, and he would demonstrate his power in a very unique way that people would be talking about for years to come. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor with all the details. Verse 25, Elijah said to the prophet to Baal, choose one bull for yourselves and prepare it. For you are many, call on the name of your God and put no fire under it. So they took the bull which, bull, which was given them, and they prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, Oh, Baal, hear us. But there was no voice. No one answered. Then they leaped about the altar which they had made. And so it was at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is meditating, or he's busy, or he's on a journey, or perhaps he's sleeping and must be awakened. And so they cried aloud and cut themselves, as was their custom, with knives and lances until the blood gushed out on them. And when midday was passed, they prophesied until the time of the offspring offering of the evening sacrifice, but there was no voice, no one answered, no one paid attention. Did you notice in verse 28 real quick, we're not going to develop this, but this is, such a, this is such a common thing that's increased over the years where kids are cutting themselves. Kids are cutting themselves, and, and the motivation behind it is this self-mutilation is this giving them the feeling that at least they control something that at least they can control whether they feel pain. So much in their life is out of control, so much in their identity and so much fear and anxiety, so much going on with the pressures at school and what the future might be, that, that they start cutting themselves. And, and if that's something happening in your home or something happening in your family, one of the prayers that you need to pray is pray against the, the demonic attacks on your child because it's cutting yourself is a, is a, is a spiritually dark thing. And... and don't condemn the kids for it. Pray them out of it and love them out of it because they're just caught up in believing a lie. And they know at the end, like the prophets of Baal here, it doesn't get them what they're looking for. 
And if you're listening and you're cutting yourself, don't. Jesus loves you. He gave his life for you. He took the wounds upon himself. He was cut, if you will. And nails, spikes were put through his wrist and through his feet so that you wouldn't have to cut yourself. And here they are dancing and flipping out, trying to call down their false god. The problem is, is that Baal is an idol and he has eyes that can't see and he has ears that can't hear and he's incapable of answering because he doesn't exist. He's just an idol. And they cry out by the time they get to, you know, because with this cutting, here, here you have this example of them shedding, trying, here they are bleeding, trying to call their God down when all the while Messiah, he bled for them. And you don't have to self-mutilate yourself in order to gain any feeling. God wants to give you feeling back in your life. Not just the pain and the hurt, but he wants to fill your heart with joy and satisfaction and hope for the future. God is a God of hope. And they've got all this emotional response begging God and trying to work God down when all the while God came down voluntarily. He came before we even asked to save you and me. And so Elijah mocks them in verse 27. He mocks them because it's a mockery what they're doing, trying to call down their false gods. And in the New Living Translation, it translates verse 27, about noontime, Elijah began mocking them. You'll have to shout louder, for surely he is a god. Perhaps he's in a deep thought, or he's relieving himself. Maybe your god is on the toilet, and he doesn't have time to answer you. Maybe he's on a trip or asleep. In the Living Bible, which is a paraphrase uh, that... Uh, Mr. Taylor wrote for his grandkids. This is what he says in the Living Bible. It's totally a paraphrase. About noontime, Elijah began mocking them. You'll have to shout louder than that to catch the attention of your God. Perhaps he's talking to someone, and he said it straight out, or sitting on the toilet. Maybe he's away on a trip and needs to be awake. And here they are completely flipping out. Why? Because a man becomes like his God. A man becomes like his God. If your God is false, then you're false. And if your God is demanding, then you're demanding. And if your God is, is hyper-emotional and perverted, then you're hyper-emotional. You become like your God. The thing about every false idol, that, it's, that every false idol in our life, and please don't think of just a false idol as a little statue on your dashboard. There's so much that we have in our lives that bring us satisfaction and joy and peace other than God, and it's all idols. The idol of money, the idol of fame, career, the idol of ministry, the idol of your marriage, thinking your spouse is going to give you what only God can give you, the idol of your children. I mean, you can go on and on and on as you look at your life. The idol of alcohol, the idol of drugs, marijuana, smoking pot is an idol. You're seeking something that only God can give. And it's not just some little, you know, because we in our modern Western thinking, we think, well, you know, I left idolatry away. I don't, go to, I, don't, I don't go to the Catholic church anymore, so I don't have any more little idols. Or I used to be a, a following Buddha, and I got rid of Buddha. I dropped him right in the trash. I mean, he's gone. They, they took him. And so I don't have idols. It's not just something that represents that false idol. It's the idol behind it. It's what we're looking for and what we're devoting ourselves to instead of the Lord. Relationships, I mean, on and on the things can go. And the thing about every false idol is that it's demanding 
and never satisfied. You can't yell enough. You can't dance enough. You can't scream enough. You can't cut yourself enough. You can't drink enough. You can't be under the influence of, you can't take enough drugs in order to satisfy that God. But through faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that you're accepted in the beloved. God is satisfied by the offer of salvation through the perfect son, his life for your life. And you may not be where you want to be, and you may not be as far along as you want to be, but God is satisfied with you by faith in Jesus Christ. Your faith brings that relationship, and he accepts you in the beloved. That's what the Bible says. He accepts us in the beloved, and he loves us. And the good news about that love is that he isn't going to allow us to stay in a state of stagnation. We're going to grow, and we're going to get through this, and we're going to take the next step. Why? Because the power of God, the resurrection power of God lives in every believer. So he's challenging him. Go ahead, get the bull. Call fire down. Don't make any fire. Call fire down from your God. Verse 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar. Because notice in verse 29, uh, once midday was passed, they prophesied of the offering, but there was no voice, no one answered, no one paid attention. Isn't that the end result of idolatry? No voice, nobody answers, and nobody pays attention surrounding that false god. Who is it that pays attention in this world? It's followers of Jesus. Who stands for the unborn? It's the followers of Jesus. Who's the one that proclaims the good news that you're saying? It's followers of Jesus. From the world, when things get tough, it's all temporary. And, and really, that's why tying it everything together, we must, we must reflect the love of Jesus. It's not a pastor's job to do that. It's all of us. He says, well, you know, Ed, that's what pastors do. You're right, that's what pastors do. And then the pastor would say, that's what believers do because that's what we all are. It's not no voice and it's not no, we don't end. With Jesus, it doesn't end no voice because his voice booms from heaven. The father says to Jesus, you're my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And in faith, by faith in Jesus Christ, that voice speaks to us. You're my beloved daughter. You're my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And, and it doesn't end, nobody answered. And it doesn't end with nobody paid attention because we're never alone in the Lord. So now, because it didn't happen, Elijah calls all the people, come near to me. All the people came near to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And isn't that the way God is? He always begins by repairing he always begins by putting things together. Jot this down real quick in Isaiah 58, verse 11. Isaiah 58, 11 says, The Lord will guide you continually, satisfy your soul in drought, strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations, and you will be called the repairer of the breach and the restorer of streets to dwell in. Lord does that repairing work in our lives. And Elijah rebuilds the altar. He takes 12 stones according to the number of tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. Then the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. He made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two seahs of seed. 
and he put in wood in order, cut the bull in pieces, laid it on the wood and said, fill four water pots with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. They did it with a dry altar, called down fire from heaven, didn't happen. Now Elijah's going, you know what? Not only do you have a false god, but I'm gonna show you I'm going to show you. He's walking in faith here because it doesn't make much sense. I mean, if you, I mean, you have to have a lot of faith to think that God is going to have, he's going to call fire down from heaven. All right? Do you understand that? Fire down from heaven. Why don't somebody just call fire down from heaven right now? Why don't you come up and do it? Let's watch you. That's the kind of faith. Everyone's like, oh. some of you go, oh, I'll do it. Well, yeah, yeah, I know. I know. Praise God bless you. That's crazy. You'd have to hear from the Lord. Not only call fire down from heaven after watching them, you know, fake it and watching them not call on their false gods, but now he's going to pour water. Water, fire, they don't mix. So what does he do? He says, pour out the water. Verse 34, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. Do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And so the water ran all around the altar and also filled the trench with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I'm your servant and that I've done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you've turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the dust, And it licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. And they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and executed them there. What an event. God shows up in a miraculous way. He shows up in a huge way. Unbelievable what's happening. The water comes down from heaven and, and consumes everything. I mean, the fire comes down from heaven, consumes everything, including the water. And then after a very simple prayer, God demonstrates himself to be the one true God. You know, God does that all the time in your life. I think of having a church planner up here today sharing a testimony. A church planner has to hear the same thing. And it feels like when you're doing a work for the Lord that you're just pouring water. God, I want you to do this, but I'm going to pour water. And, and I'm going to pour water. And I, I'm, I want it to be so clear that you're doing this. And sometimes, the, you know, in a church plant, it's kind of pouring water. It's like one week there's five people there. And then the next week there's zero people there. And the sign doesn't even show up on top of that. Blows away. And it's like the Lord pouring water. I'm going to show you what I'm going to do. And we don't want that. We want the opposite. We want five to ten 15 to 20, that's our estimation of God's faithfulness. Unfortunately, we kind of look at things outwardly, just like the Bible says, and we think that God's approval is this over here and God's approval of that. And all God's looking for and all that he approves of is faithful obedience. The results are up to him. So Elijah's being faithful, being faithful, pour the water, pour the water, pour the water. Even if God didn't bring fire down from heaven, Elijah was obedient. But how would you feel? if he didn't bring fire down from heaven, at least on the first time or the second time. In this case, it doesn't happen. But man, I think I know how I'd feel. I'm like, man, God, now I look just like the false prophets. And the Lord's just saying, no, wait on it. Wait for it. Wait for it. Bam! Catch them all because they deserve to die. 
Why? Because they're false prophets. <laughs> it's just amazing. This is amazing if you wonder, well, why kill 450 prophets? Deuteronomy chapter 18. I'm not going to give you the verse, you just find it. Deuteronomy 18. The hand of the Lord comes upon Elijah. And so now Elijah, verse 41, tells Ahab, go up and eat and drink, for the sound, there is a sound of the abundance of rain. And Abraham, uh, Ahab went up to eat and drink, verse 42. And Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel. He bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees and said to his servant, go up now toward the sea. And so he went up and looked and said, there's nothing. Seven times again, he said, go again. Some of you are in that place right now. Seven times he was told to do this. Go back, comes back. Go back, comes back. Go back, comes back. Go back, he comes back. Go back, and he comes back. Go back, and he comes back. Go back. Go back, number seven. And it says in verse 44, it came to pass on the seventh time that he said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising up out of the sea. And so he said, go up to say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. And it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind, and there was heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel, and the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. So God shows up in a miraculous way. He affirms his place and his presence in Elijah's life, declares that the drought is over, sends heavy rain, according to verse 45, black with clouds and heavy rain, and Elijah heads off in the power of the Lord to confront Ahab one more time. And you know, there are those times when God has worked in our lives in a supernatural way. They're always exciting. They're always glorious. They're always wonderful. It's exciting to see God move. It's exciting to see him work. It's exciting to, to work, to, to be a part of what God's doing, to see people acknowledge the work of God, to see him affirm and, and approve and to actually experience it. But watch out. Watch out. Watch out because right after every great spiritual experience, you can be sure that the devil is waiting to cut you down to size. That's why we can't live on experience. Enjoy it, accept it, but commit it to the Lord. It all belongs to him. Because after great highs, often are even greater lows. And here's Elijah coming down from this tremendous victory up on Mount Carmel, 450 prophets. God, I mean, not only, not, not only did God show up, but he showed up in a tremendously amazing, unique way that will be spoken of, it's being spoken of now here thousands of years later, this fire coming down from heaven. Do you, can you imagine sharing your testimony and that you're the guy that called fire down from heaven? You're like, yeah, you know, I was just up on Mount Carmel one day and uh, there's 450 prophets and... And they were dancing around, being dumb, and nothing happened with them. And, and I just walked up and said, God, you know how good you are. And as I was talking, fire came down and it destroyed everything. I'm the one that called fire down from heaven. I mean, I think we'd be tempted to take the glory and credit for that. That's what happens when great things happen. It's almost like we, oh, we were in the best place and we were in the best condition. And we, it was because of our faith. And it was because, listen, listen. Without God, we are nothing, Amen. period. And we don't have a testimony of Elijah like that, but certainly something's happening with him because the very next chapter, he goes from high to low. He goes from Mount Carmel to the caves. He goes from prominence and attention 
and, and, and being in the middle of miraculous work of God to the caves. And he is going to have to deal with discouragement and fear and anxiety. And we see this great man of faith, the man that brings fire down from heaven, a man that's known for his prayer life, the man that brings life back to a child, the man that was fed by ravens, the man that was used to have oil and flour no longer cease in a widow's house. And at the word of Ahab's wife, he runs away in fear. Now Jezebel was no ordinary woman, let me tell you. She was a wicked, evil person. And I can understand a little bit of his fear within a wicked, evil person is committed to take you out. But you can go from Mount Carmel to the valley that fast. And that's why we need to learn not just to live on emotion, although we are emotional people, but to live by faith. By faith. You believe God no matter what it looks like. And we believe God no matter what it feels like. And we obey God no matter how we feel. Because many times the mistake that's made, and we'll get into it later, but the mistake that's made is that I won't obey until my feelings change. And then a person like that never obeys and their feelings never change. This is the path out. You change your mind and God will change your heart. You change your mind and God will change your heart. It's not the other way around. You know, I'll just, uh, as soon as I feel like it, as soon as I feel better, as soon as I, yeah, you're going to be waiting a long time. I don't know how long you'll wait, but it'll make you a faltering, wavering person. But if you choose in your mind to obey, no matter how you feel, and you take that step, God will begin to work on your heart right away. And before you know it, you're walking in freedom and you're walking in obedience and the Lord is showing himself strong on your behalf and then you look back you go man I really do feel different now I really don't feel that bad anymore and and God begins to work in you and brings you out of that place of despair this is abounding grace with pastor Ed Taylor he's leading a study from first Kings you can find our studies online at calvaryaurora.org and you can subscribe to our free podcast on iTunes as well You might also want to add our apps to your mobile devices so you can listen when it's most convenient. Look for the Calvary Aurora app and the Grace FM Colorado app when you do a search for Calvary Aurora. Here in the month of December, we picked out a great book we think you'll enjoy and get a lot out of. It would even make a great Christmas gift. It's called The Case for Christ. Like a journalist would do, Lee Strobel does a personal investigation, searching out evidence that would either confirm or deny Jesus as the Son of God, Savior of the world. And we'll send it to you when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more today. Please remember that it's through your support that we're able to bring Abounding Grace to your radio station every day. Maybe the Lord is stirring your heart to get involved in this radio ministry. We are so thankful for each and every gift that comes in, large or small. We can be reached toll-free at 877-30-GRACE or turn to calvaryaurora.org. Again, we can be reached at 877-30-GRACE.
Pastor Ed, Christmas is just a few days away. Would you take a moment to tell our listeners what we have planned here at Calvary Church, Colorado, not only this weekend, but on Christmas Eve as well? Yes, Larry, we have some great services planned for our Christmas weekend. We'll be here the the weekend of the 22nd and the 23rd with our regular services, but it'll be Christmas-themed. And we'll have service Saturday night at 6 p.m., Sunday morning at 8.45 and 10.45. And then Monday, Christmas Eve, we have two services scheduled, 3 o'clock and 5 o'clock p.m., where we're going to gather together, have a short devotional evangelistic message, a lot of music, invite your friends and your family, come on out. It's an exciting time as we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. So we'll have five services scheduled that weekend, and there'll be... Whatever we do on Saturday and Sunday is going to be different than Monday, but that'll all be Christmas-themed. It will all be focused on the good news of the gospel, the birth of Jesus Christ. Can't wait for it. It's one of those times a year, Christmas and Easter, where people are just willing to come to church. And so because they're willing to come to church, we are willing to serve them, to be excited for them, to make extra room and love on them and their kiddos in the name of Jesus Christ. So hope to see you this Christmas here at Calvary Church, Colorado. We hope you can join us, and if you live outside the area, you can always watch our services live at calvaryaurora.org. Set aside another half hour to join us next time when we'll dig deeper into First Kings with Pastor Ed Taylor here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado. 